Welcome to this episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. In today's episode, we are talking with Mike Skripnik on how to give a million dollars to charity every year while 10xing your business and your life. Mike is a transformational business coach, five-time author, international speaker, and Mike's Grow Get Give philosophy holds the key to success that the world's most successful entrepreneurs know, and he's implemented to achieve a big impact in his life and the lives of thousands of entrepreneurs, advisors, business owners, and the millionaires next door. Today, we are going to think big on giving, because if you're not giving, you're not growing. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. Now, before we start and before we get into it, you know, I've been on your website and I've looked at a lot of your stuff. One of the things that jumped out at me was one of your blog posts that I truly, truly believe in. And that is do epic shit. So t- tell me, <laughs> tell me a little bit about that because that is, I, I'm just, that is something that is, uh, that is big to me that you've got to do things scared and you got to do it often. <laughs> you, you read a few of the blogs for sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a do epic shit. Well, it's our family. Um, you know, I, my wife and I grew up as athletes, high performance athletes. Um, I was always taught by my parents and my family that really there wasn't anything I shouldn't give a shot. You know, like I, I, I could do anything. They basically convinced right. me early on that I could do anything I wanted to, and I believed them. And, uh, you know, my with youth and enthusiasm, I pretty much tried everything I could do. And uh, sometimes it validated that, and other times it didn't. But uh, we just live by, you know, a number of years ago, um, we made a decision to uproot our, our life from uh, urban center of Calgary, Alberta, which is about 1.1 million people, kind of uh, Denver North. <laughs> and uh, it's very similar. It's foot of the Rockies and all that. And we'd always enjoyed doing big things. Like I've done triathlons. I've played sports. I, you know, write books. And, and, and before I do all that, I knew nothing about them. <laughs> right. Right. And I just endeavor. And so it's kind of had its own reward system in that every time we do amazing things, um, you know, good things happen. Right. Or at the very least, um, bad, really bad things didn't happen. You know, uh, so we, we uprooted our family. Uh, to help our children, uh, our late teens, pursue some of their biggest dreams. And it really comes down from a what if thing. Like, what if we did this, right? What if we just said, uh, you know, to hell with conventionality. Let's go and do something amazing. And then it's now become such a part of our lifestyle that uh, what we consider normal, other people would be blown away at. You know, we're not trying to keep pushing our thresholds. We're not jumping out of planes uh, yet. (laughs) <laughs> it's fun you know maybe when the kids are older <laughs> but um you know we're always doing things my kids are downhill mountain bike racers my daughter does muay thai kickboxing and fighting and arts and she's in you know special effects makeup and so all of these really cool things we just said you know if that's what where your heart is and if you, even curiosity is just do it 
Right. And so we just kind of make a habit of doing epic shit. And, you know, the more epic it is, uh, the more um, cathartic, the more focusing and almost meditative it becomes. I know yeah. that's hard maybe for some people to understand, but when I'm doing something like racing my bike down a, a downhill trail, um, there is nothing else at that moment because if I lose my concentration or focus, I'm in, I'm in some peril. Yeah. And so absolutely. that's a helpful thing I find to calm my mind and, and just bring it together. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm trying to get into uh Leadville 100. That's one of my bucket lists is to do, uh, the Leadville 100, not, not completely oh, downhill, but, but it's, uh, it, it would be a, a pretty fun, uh, pretty fun event. So when you were doing this stuff, did that, uh, is that kind of when you realized, you know, that you weren't living your passion? You know, how, how did you, when did you get to the point where you knew that, Hey, I'm not living the way that I wanted to, I'm not living passionately what triggered that? What, you know, what was the events that, that led you to know that you weren't living your, your passion? You know, interestingly enough, Sean, that was a dec uh, a dozen years ago. You know, we're, we're having a major world crisis at this time. Um, in 2008, there was a massive world crisis. Everybody was quite concerned that um, we were in, heading into a depression. Right. And by that point, I was in mid-career as a financial services executive. And, you know, I was really living a Wall Street, Gordon Gecko, greed is good kind of existence five days a week, but about 60 hours, you know, and around the periphery, I was really community volunteer, soccer coach, family guy, you know, I just, I was, my heart was in giving back and being involved in community and family and self personal development. And here I was living like the drive, you know, it's just so, and for me, I just said, you know, the, the when the tide goes out and you're kind of, you're like, you're revealed either to have your underwear on or no shorts on. Um, I just felt like it was revealing at that moment that I really wasn't doing what I love passionately every day. Right. And so I thought, well, what's the most important thing? How can I not like quit everything? I know I had a young family. There's no way you can just throw everything to the wind. Um, how can I do this in the business I have and and kind of bring it all together? And I, I basically just wrote on a whiteboard um, in my office, how how do I like give a million dollars away to charity every year? Like do that. And <laughs> I didn't have a million bucks. I didn't have a clue how to do it. And I was an industry that valued hoarding capital and not giving it away. That's right. So um, it was a pretty auspicious start with a, an audacious goal. And I just figured it out. I just figured out how to do it, how to build a business that you could, you know, that was rewarding, that would give you time and freedom to be with your family, and then ultimately help others redirect so that um, we were about $12.5 million by year six of this $1 million goal. So I was able to kind of put it all together. And for me, that just really reinforced, just like any other thing that didn't hurt you or didn't kill you or maim you, right. um, tend to go, well, I can do that again and again. Not only that, but maybe I can help others because now I have some real wisdom and it worked. It wasn't like someone told me and I was hoping to coach them along and, you know, I'd never done it. You know, I actually lived it and I figured out a 10 times your business and not work as much and, you know, have this massive um, charitable impact. I'm like, I could teach others. So that's where my attention has gone the last five or six years. Yeah. Now, do you think, I think there is a connection between giving and getting, I think you have to, do you think 
your goal to set out and give actually enhanced your ability to get? Oh, well, without a, an, a, a, without, a, without a doubt, right? Like impact mindset is, is you know, think about it that way. Think instead of just the, because I think people have a really uh, constrained view of what giving means. You know, I think right. people link it with financial and, you know, that was how it um, materialized, but that's not what I gave. It's like Oprah, Oprah, um, you know, they, they say Oprah gives millions and millions and millions of dollars and with her book club, not, but what she really did is fundamentally change literacy in the United States through right. her book club. Right. It wasn't all this uh, angel network financial thing. It was actually a fundamental cultural shift in approaching reading. Right. And, and so I look at it that way. If you have an impact mindset, the goal is less about what the dollar could be, or maybe it is the dollar. It depends on what you're doing. Right. But when you set out with that, um, you open your life and your business and everything to, in your heart to uh, possibility. And what it really means is, is if you want to have a major impact, no one knows. There's no clear path on how to do that exactly. And so you have to be open to opportunity. You have to be open to new things. And the moment you do that and say yes and yes and yes, um, stuff comes back to you. So you create, it's, you know, I, I think maybe more, you know, on a cosmic level, you're creating space where energy comes back. Um, I don't really usually go into that, but, you know, that's kind of what it is. You're I, creating space yeah. and there's got to be something that fills it. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's energy. I, I agree 100%. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to uh, work with one of the guys that does philanthropy for several of the billionaires uh, in the country. And it just, when I talk to him, it absolutely amazes me on how passionate these guys are, guys and women are about giving. And it's almost, it's like their mission to give what they have. I mean, it is absolutely, and, and it blows me away when, when, when I talk to them and it's stuff that they do and the, uh, but it is truly a, one of the things that every single one of them characteristics that every single one of them has was they give back and they use philanthropy to a great deal. Great deal. No question. You know, I think, I mean, there's definitely something physiological. There's a chemical response. You know, we get an endorphin rush, we kind of get that feedback loop. Um, so, you know, no different than a food or a, like a satiation where we get a feedback about giving. Um, and you have to think about it. Like really, if you're the giver uh, or the benefactor and you're, you're giving, you really understand the connection between what you hope your intention and what maybe the future result could be, or even is right. But if you're on the receiving end, if you're the beneficiary, chances are the last thing in the world that you're thinking about is the benefit for the giving person, right? right. You're better, you could care less what the benefactor gets out of it right. because you're desperate, you need the help, whatever it might be. Um, so if you're a beneficiary of charity, you don't really care and it's not as gratifying, you're just surviving in some way, right? And, and on the other side, the benefactor has an opportunity to step back and really dial in what it means for them personally. So I think that there's absolute merit in it, both physiologically and psychologically, that giving begets, you know, better feelings, a, a sense of we must continue. It reinforces itself and it just perpetuates 
um, you know, that whole premise. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I think it is. Yeah. And I, I think when you, when you do that, you do send out an energy into the universe that returns back. I mean, it's, there's, it's, uh, to me, it's, it's really a law. I mean, it's, you, you give and you, you get, I mean, it's, it's simple no, as that. No question. Yeah. So is that what drove you to, you know, I know you've got several, but, uh, the book that you have, uh, grow, get, give, how yeah. is that what drove, uh, grow, get, give? Uh, yeah. You know, it, it was part, like all of it is giving back. So when I turn my attention, so when I help, uh, families in the financial service industry, I was helping families redirect their wealth. I was helping baby boomers, 55 to 75 year olds who um, had done it, had already made their mark, had had their financial success, and now we're considering the future. And, you know, that was great. And it was, we certainly accomplished a lot, but here I was wondering about all these lessons that essentially I was teaching financial lessons to people like that. And they were teaching me other lessons about their life and growing and being successful in their contemplations. And uh, they always said, if I only knew 20 years ago what I know now, uh, you know, it might have been different. I might have been able to do it. I wouldn't have waited right. to have my impact until today. And so I was just driven by that motive, motivation that, you know, I can go and work with entrepreneurs and I've been looking at companies for 22 years and, you know, all this, you know, this ability that I had to understand a business owner entrepreneur not to mention I had been one for so long um, that I could share that wisdom and then uh, share my experiences. So Grow, Get, Give, Entrepreneur Secrets to a Grow, Get, Give Life were really about how do you create a successful, you know, call it a 10 times business. Uh, how do you get more freedom for you and your family to think and be creative and just enjoy life? Right. And how do you give back for bigger impact? Like all of those components are kind of my give back. Like I implemented all the things in the book and they worked. Otherwise they wouldn't be in the book. Right. Uh, so, you know, 90 plus secrets or tips or whatever you want to call them. Um, having had those work, I thought, well, it's my, like, I have to give this out. I have to give that information to the world. And lots of it is just synthesis. You know, I'm synthesizing other people's or other experiences because it's not all, you know, my original thought. Right. It's, but it's practical work that um, when implemented right, allows a person to be, have a big impact. And here's what I'm finding, Sean, more and more and more. And I, I think it might even be a generational thing, a Gen X thing. And that is we're getting, like I'm turning 50 very shortly. I don't know about where you fit in that. You got that I'm, I'm on the north side of that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, a lot of my peers... Um, we believe what our parents taught us. And now as you work hard, you stick with it, you build your business and it all work out. And a lot of people I know, um, they did that and, and they were unfulfilled. Yeah. And now they're kind of going, is there more, where is, where is the more in my life? And I'm young enough that I, I still have energy. I'm valuable to society and I can contribute. And so I'm finding a lot of this and I, and I really believe that the message that I share and grow, get, give um, is really about lifting those people up and giving them a direction and, and saying, yeah, you can still make a massive impact. You don't have to wait until you feel ready. You can actually be ready today and just do it along alongside of everything. It's just, so I just feel like it's a give, like I have to give this 
to society. And it's also part of the way, you know, how I make my living. Right. And for people, I mean, I think in general, books are probably one of the best ways for us to grow. I mean, it took you years of practical experience of, of education, of learning, of to write this book. And for someone to be able to go and get a book for pennies on the dollar compared to the, you know, the, the true life experience and, and, and get what you know out of a book is to me, that is a huge, huge give to, uh, to us. I mean, that's, uh, you know, spending the time to, you know, to do that and, and take your time to, to develop a book is, man, I'll tell you what you give back is, is, is really huge. So uh, thank you for that. I mean, that, that is a, a big thing to do. And for people who don't read a lot of books, I'm telling you, that is the best way to grow yourself to, for personal development is go and learn from someone who's done this for, you know, 20 years and, and you can read a book and get, you know, and get a really good grasp of what they've, what they've done. Uh, so yeah, again, that, that, that is great. What, so what is, what is probably one of the best ways for someone to get started? You know, someone who is, you know, making good, you know, a decent amount of money, they're, they're comfortable. What, what is a good way for someone to start giving back and getting into the philanthropy? I mean, a lot of people want to do it, but they don't know, they really don't know how to, to start. Yeah. So I share a lot in the give section of that book and thank you very much, Sean. I appreciate that you appreciate that, that there's a lot in there, in there. Um, that was my fifth book and it was a culmination of everything that came before. Um, you know, and, and in the give section, I wrote a couple of books on philanthropy only. So this is kind of like the, the best of right. <laughs> the greatest hits, if you will. And it really does start like I, I investigated what Oprah and Bono and Brand in my very first book on philanthropy was about how these modern day philanthropic icons how they got to that point. And then I interviewed a pile of people who were kind of leaders in the community and they all kind of had the same journey in philanthropy and giving. And it ultimately starts like I learned very quickly that you can't dictate philanthropy to other people. Right. You can't tell people what to give to or how, who to give to or what to, what causes to support because it's a very personal thing. And, and it really does start there. It starts in identifying what was important to you, what impacts or events in your life or experiences that either you had or that you've witnessed um, that you are uh, willing to be connected to and have uh, an undeniable need to help. And so if you can get clear on those things first, uh, then it's easier to start going through the motions. And the motions are, you know, how do you connect to a cause? What do you look for in charities, like in terms of their impact or social return on investment, if you will, how they impact the best leverage that they bring to the table, and then understanding actually how the mechanisms of how to give. And we all, I, I use the term time, um, influence, and money. You have those three things. So right. you can give of your time and volunteering. You can influence, in other words, be an advocate, a board member, and provide information that's helpful right. for others. And you can give hard dollars, right? And all of those things are on the table. Yeah. But it, none of it starts if you don't figure out what you connect to. Now, right. Let me just, because I just recently went over this with somebody. And here's one thing. You don't have to be righteous or virtuous <laughs> to give. Like everybody has their thing. 
And I think a lot of people, uh, first of all, think they have to be rich and wealthy to give their money, which is not true um, because it's not just about money. And you'd be surprised what you can do with a little and what you believe is a little. Um, but secondly, there's this sense that I'm not, um, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve, who am I to make a difference in other people's lives? I'm just trying to figure it out for myself. I'm just trying to get by. And uh, that mindset keeps, I think, a lot of really good giving, or at least uh, the pursuit of it um, at bay. So, Absolutely. You know, I, I just think that there's no, like, you don't have to feel virtuous. You don't have to be one of those philanthropists. You just have to start. And start by getting, you know, clear on what it is that matters to you and, and then start investigating how you can help. Yeah, I mean, it's, to me, you, you have to get creative in what you do. Because again, it's, it, you're absolutely right. It's not about money. It's not, well, not always about money. It's about what can you give back to society of what you're passionate about, what you're good about, what, you know, what comes easy to you. You know, that's something that, that I like to do is for me, I've been in IT for 30 years. So technology become, you know, it's very easy for me to do, do technology. And so for me to give back from a technology standpoint, it's valuable to, to people to help them with technology, but it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't cost me anything, but, but some time, uh, some effort and some creativity. And, and yeah, there's a lot of ways we can, we can give. Now, how do you think when you started doing more philanthropy stuff and you started giving stuff, do you think it had a, impact on the overall balance of your life it it fundamentally changed everything because it it changes the way you speak with people it changes the way you market like you know let's let's say we if you sell if you're in business at all and let's so the charitable acts are not business acts right and, right and it doesn't mean that the two can't coexist but they really aren't like i'm not I don't run a charity. I'm not a charity myself. Right. I have to, and I desire to earn an income and make money doing it, make a profit. And sometimes uh, we tend to forget uh, when we're only focused on business and profit about the other parties involved and, uh, and our impact and what the outcome might be. And when you begin to look at it um, through charitable or giving eyes, impact mindset, you tend to spend a lot more time considering the other person or the other side, the customer, um, their benefit. Right. And, you know, that extends beyond the customer to all of those uninterested people who are just kind of dabbling around the outside of your world and your marketing. And when you say things and you provide information that's helpful, encouraging, or inspiring, you're really focused on helping. And that for me changed. That was the fundamental change about all of this is, you know, I may have every desire to sell, but I'm not going to uh, convince you something that you don't want. Uh, right. We're going to have a conversation. You'll be informed and educated and you'll at some point decide if that's the right thing for you. Right. So understanding that, um, you know, innately was part of the process. So it just, I think it just changed the way I deal with everybody um, in uh, any stakeholder in my life and business. Yeah. So besides, you know, I mean, obviously you have your books and stuff. What what else are you doing? Are you doing like, do you do a lot of coaching with people? Do you do a lot of coaching with businesses? Are you still are you still doing that? Heck yeah. So so uh, prior to the crisis, I was just yeah, I had just launched my new book, 
um, I had done a lot of work. I was, I had just a, a bunch of professional stuff, done a podcast, and I was just launching, obviously, a speaking and training career, a reemergence because of the book down in the States and across North America. So that got kiboshed pretty fast. <laughs> but all along, I provide um, mid-career business owners and entrepreneurs who are like struggling to serve how to figure that out in their life and do for them what I was, I did for myself a decade ago. And so I coach one-on-one -on -one regularly. I'm spending so much time on zoom with that. I love it. I really do miss my peeps. I want to, I like, I'm a big hug guy. I like to hug. So miss that. Um, and workshops and training. Um, we're doing webinars and doing online free webinars and some paid work and training as well. Um, so yeah, small group training, everything's moved to the online platform for yeah. the time being. And uh, that's an enhancement in some ways. And uh, there's some old stuff that we're going to all miss. Uh, you know, um, by now we're missing it. Um, you know, when you get energized by the audience or the people in the room, um, nothing beats it. So um, finding that magic through a video medium is, uh, has been, isn't a challenge, but it isn't the same. Yeah, it's not the same. I, yeah. Like I spent my first decade of my investment management career, um, maybe the first six years, there was no internet really and no email and no messenger. Like we were on the phone. I was on <laughs> six phones and you had to understand people's emotions and you still did for years. Um, you have to understand their emotions, how they're feeling with, and you have to get all of that through an audio uh, medium. So right. I think some people get better at understanding the emotions that people are bringing to the table um, through even a video and audio and others. I was lucky enough to be like forcibly trained to do that for decades. Right. So um, I, I'm not suffering in this medium, but I really do prefer the live. So one-on-one -on -one coaching, group coaching. Um, right now I'm helping people, authors, because we have time. We're isolated a bit. Um, why not write your book? I, I definitely... I've been, um, I've offered free webinars on that. We moved to a six month book course. I have five authors presently. Two of them are in the final, like getting their books done this month. So it's an exciting journey for business owners and entrepreneurs to take. And I'm helping them get it done, um, which is effectively the hardest thing to do is get a book done. It's easy yeah. to start a book. Uh, we've all got notes somewhere. Yeah. Uh, books that never got finished so i'm just helping people do that it's an achievement in itself yeah my if i ever do a book it'll just be on all the stupid crap i've done and hey, survived uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's an audience for that and it's very cathartic <laughs> sean i'll have to tell you get that stuff out of your head i mean not every single thing in my books is like the most profound thing some of it's just stuff i needed to get out of out of my head and put on paper yeah so how, how do you do, how do you journal i mean do you do you just write it and just start journaling see that's my biggest thing is i can't get it out of my head onto paper in a meaningful or understandable way i mean it's, <laughs> uh i i, ex I experienced that uh, no question there are times um i bring in other people when i have when i suffer that way when i can't you know, bring all of my thoughts together. I have just a jumbled mess. Um, I bring the writers, I bring in external objective coaching type people because you, there is a way to get through it and they can see what you can't just like in life and in coaching. Right. Um, an objective outside observer isn't in the bubble. Um, the other thing is just developing good habits uh, to just do it a little bit at a time, get it done. 
Um, and then I've got all kinds of tricks that I've used over the years to get books done. I mean, I wrote this last book basically on a 10 hour car drive um, between Calgary, Alberta and Whistler, British Columbia. And uh, the bulk of the book was written, if you will, uh, on audio. I just recorded it when I arrived at my condo in Whistler. It was uh, delivered in my inbox and I just cleaned up the transcript. Oh, that's fantastic. um, you know, ramblings of a madman, who knows, but I was able, it was cohesive enough that I could make a book out of it. <laughs> right. Uh, so there are all kinds of different tricks, uh, you know, but here's one of the key things, and this is probably more important, is have an idea of why you're doing it and to what end. And if you're able to, with clarity, get to that, and that's what I spend most of my time working with my authors really close. Like these are entrepreneur, business owner authors, right? And we have to get very clear on why the heck they're doing it in the first place and right. to what end, what, what is the point? And once we figure that out, you can create a pretty straight line to that success and, you know, enjoy all the, you know, the levels of mastery as you go along. Right. It's not a smooth ride, but um, there is a clear, once you get a straight line figured out, um, it doesn't matter if it's not a smooth ride, it's going to be what it is. Yeah. It's part of the journey. Yeah. So how how do you think this is? So, you know, I've kind of have a prediction that it's going to go one of two ways. You know, people are either it's going to absolutely kill retail. You know, what's going on right now with the COVID and stuff is absolutely going to either kill retail, kill the public sector, and people are just going to come isolated. And all they're going to be doing is remote stuff like this. They're going to be doing Zooms. They're going to be doing, or I think if it actually lasts long enough, people are going to get so upset with having to be around that it's going to absolutely explode our social. I think people are going to recognize how important our social life really is. Uh, if this goes any further, it's yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't think um, retail environments will ever be the same. Right. Uh, and maybe that's okay. I don't like going into crowded shopping areas and retail areas. So um, I can go in buy, but, I do like the tangible experience of um, that consumerism side. So I don't, and I think a lot of people are fairly tangible as online as anyone's ever gotten. I know that people open that box and they like to touch it. Right. Yeah. And there's stuff going back because it wasn't what they thought. Right. So I, it will evolve. I think technology plays a huge role. I think smart yeah. glass, like for, for a tech guy, smart glass um, and audio and visual recognition and geolocation, like all of that stuff. You walk through a mall that has got store stores that are really just like small hallways with the, with the products um, and you're identified out front of it and they give you all the things you might want to look at and either order it and go and it's home for you before you get there or you go in and try it. Like I can see all that type. Yeah. I see the whole virtual, yeah, the whole virtual experience of of doing that. As a matter of fact, like for, uh, for, I do a lot of cycling and a lot of running and stuff. I use a thing called Zwift where I have basically a computer hooked up to, you know, uh, sensors hooked up to my trainer and to my treadmill. And I run with, I run and, and cycle with people from around the world. We get on and it's, you're on a, it's literally like being on a ride with people and you sit there and chat and, and you're actually doing the work. I mean, you're cycling and you're, uh, but it's, you know, I think things like that will really change how we, how we operate. And, and the great thing about that is, and I agree. So the great thing about that is all of a sudden 
because millions and millions and millions of eyeballs are now forced into using technology, all the clunkiness of that will disappear because it's going to be forced to be smoother, easier, better, right? Like just like retail in practical sense got so good at pushing goods through from one end to the user. Um, so too will our internet experience. It'll be amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. really anxious to see how technology leaps because we're going to do a leap. I said this before, um, Africa had no phones, right? Basically barely anyone had landlines, let alone a phone. And right. then at a 10 or 15 years gap, and everyone has a cell phone and commerce is being done on the fly, right? They, they gapped. Um, we're going to have this gap that I just, it's too big to fathom. I, just don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm excited to find out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely excited to see what type of creativity people are going to come up with during this and what it's going to, what it's going to do. Cause I never did, uh, you know, online, you know, virtual riding and running before this, you know, I just had a, I had to, you know, it's like, I've got to do something. Uh, <laughs> and and it's, it's amazing. It's like, man, I don't know if I want to go back out now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's <laughs> pretty hilarious. You know, and you, and you speaker and you've been, you've spoken in, in front of audiences before. And, you know, I was looking into uh, holograms and you know they're 38 to 50 grand for a hologram machine so it's a little bit of a barrier still that's an expensive machine for yeah. who knows what return but i actually looked into it because i wouldn't mind figuring out how to either put myself in a group or put a group in around me i don't know but um who knows what that technology yeah i i heard of one technology that uh God, i can't remember who was talking about it but it's a uh uh almost a virtual conference where people actually come into the conference, they sit down and you have speakers up front and they, it's, it's an actual completely virtual conference. And so you oh, kind of wow. get, yeah. So the speaker uh, gets- I can't wait because I got to yeah. figure that out. Because <laughs> I want to be up there on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, uh, as a speaker, you go out and you're in front of everybody like you would on a stage. And for the participants, they're in a chair just like they would be at a, at a conference. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of- a lot of good things to come out, but yeah, there's still, there's still no substitution for the, the one-on-one -on -one and the, the human, human interaction. And I don't think that'll ever go away. Now, you know, 2008 was a crisis of monumental proportions and three years later, people forgot it. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, I, I tell you, I miss sport. I miss being a spectator of live sport because you, you know, I think that this is one of the biggest challenges with this is there's nothing live that um, can excite and inspire. And sport is probably one of the places where you get the most incidents of inspiring and amazing. Like you go, holy cow. Right. Every few minutes, right? Especially in basketball and hockey. Like those two things are there's such, such a constant dynamic activity. And yeah. even the Olympics that we're missing this year. So to be part of something so unpredictable and awe-inspiring on a regular basis, that part, I, that for me has been a big, I realize how much I miss that. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it's always the thing where you go, wow, I, I never thought I'd ever see that. Yeah. And I think, wow. yeah, I think it's the, the energy of, of other people. It's even like, even when you go to like a, you know, a conference uh, or a yeah. sporting event or anything, even at a conference, you don't get the same experience when you're doing it online. And I think it's, you don't, there's an energy with people being together and it, it, 
that energy is what I think what we're truly, truly missing. So yesterday in two hours, I wrote an ebook. Like I wrote a book, 20 page book, wrote it, published it, like got it done. And it's funny, these things just, you're getting forced into doing things. Um, but I wrote a little bit more. One of it was like how to position yourself in live audiences. And I talked about that very thing that you just mentioned, the audience and the energy that there's nothing that can really replace that exchange of physical energy. It goes back to that whole space thing you and I were talking about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have, there's ions and there's, you know, molecular and there's subatomic and we're, we're all in it together. And that ex- those, those things exchange while you're in person. Yeah. Right. And so there is something to energy and you can't get it through a phone no, no, <laughs> or you a can't. screen. Right? Yeah. You just can't. And no. that's why people are drained after a day on zoom and not drained after a day with humans. Right. Uh, the same way in fact most people are energized um from a day with human so yeah. it's just it's a thing anyways yeah. there's a there's a blog maybe we'll have to put that out there i never really thought about you know about philanthropy and all this until the last maybe five five ten years maybe uh it's just something that you know it's something that we're never really taught as kids to at least a lot of people uh aren't necessarily taught the you know, taught that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a surprising thing, but you know, a lot, most people are just trying to go get by and trying to figure it out. Yeah. And they never thought it never occurred to them. You know, one of the, one of the biggest things in charities, like charities don't get the gifts because the the number one reason is because they never asked. Ironically, (laughs) that's the biggest reason charities don't get gifts because they didn't ask. Yeah. Um, And therefore we didn't think to maybe do it. And, you know, I, I can say that while I was uh, community minded and I gave back in a lot of ways, I didn't think or plan my philanthropy um, until I changed my mindset. And when I just realized that I've got to leave, I'm going to leave this world. It's going to be fun. We do epic shit. We'll go back to the beginning. We do epic stuff. And, uh, you know, part of that is having a big impact. And if I can leave this world in a way that my kids and their kids' kids know my, know me by name and the values I stood for, then you know I did okay. So, you know that's that's kind of where where I want to end up. Yeah, and it's that it's that uh, abundance mindset. You know, if you have a if you have an abundant mindset, you know, and if you don't, if you have a closed mindset, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna see the value of of giving and and, and charity. It's it's just not gonna be there. But I, no, not yeah, at not at all. Sean, I, I want. Compliment. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I no. want to compliment because I want to make sure I get this out. Um, I looked into a little bit about what you're doing. I've understood a little bit about your background. I think it's admirable how you've decided. Um, you know, maybe you had that moment that I had a decade or more ago where I just said, "This is there's got to be more to my life." Right. And you're pursuing it, and I just I, I just applaud you for that. Um, I think it's great, and I appreciate it because I I don't take every podcast I do, and I do my homework and I just think you're doing stuff. Well, I, I appreciate that. And yeah, for me, this is part of, part of my way, at least at where I'm at right now, of giving back, you know, trying to, you know, share information and, and, you know, I, I say this on several episodes, but one of the biggest things I get from being able to do podcasts is I get to talk with some of the most amazing people throughout the world. And it is the knowledge 
share and and just connecting with people uh, like-minded people is just absolutely uh, absolutely fantastic uh, it's it's one of the best things i get to i get to do no that's great we'll put all this in the show notes but how do people get in, get in contact with you what's the best way for them to to contact you well there's a, there's a couple ways one is just my website is growgetgive.com like that's a simple um, to find my book you can either go to amazon or uh, growgetgivesecrets dot com and pick up the book uh, and I you know basically I sometimes tell people if you're not looking for if you're looking for me and don't find me on social media you got a problem you're typing something wrong because um, <laughs> I'm on Facebook LinkedIn Instagram you name YouTube so uh, easy way info at mikescriptnek.com that's mike s k r y p n e k dot com just Reach out. I actually pick up my emails. I don't have a service for that. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> that's good. I have a process. <laughs> I know how to get rid of them. I can weed things out. I just, uh, but I'm, you know, I it's like, you know, all those people who say, well, I open all my letters and cards. I, I, I open it. I, I like it. Well, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Uh, and everyone, go to the show notes uh, where there's a link for Mike's website and his book, Grow, Get, Give. And if you're listening to this episode at its release, Mike is doing a killer complimentary webinar on your book is the best business card. It's on May 13th, where he's going to share the secrets that the big time publishers don't want you to know. And thinking big tribe, we are very close to our next milestone. And I need your help to reach more people who can benefit from the content, especially during these difficult times. Uh, ratings and reviews directly impact search rankings for this podcast. So please help us get more ratings and reviews. If you haven't already subscribed and rated the podcast, please go to the link in the show notes to the Apple podcast. Once you're there, simple, just subscribe, click the five-star rating, of course, and write a brief review. Please share this podcast with your network and invite them to subscribe and rate the show as well. Again, thank you so much for helping me reach more people worldwide and empowering them to start thinking big.